Hello, Open Door and friends. Uh, this is John. I'm one of the pastors of the Open Door Presbyterian Church here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And today's podcast that I'm putting out is a sermon from uh, about eight days ago. Uh, it is uh, on uh, our final sermon on uh, the subject of vocation within the scriptures and within the Christian life. And this week's sermon, um, I should say last week's sermon, was given by uh, Bala Kellop. Bala is the Associate Director of the World Mission Initiative at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. He is also the husband of Reverend Cheryl Kellop, who is my co-pastor at The Open Door. If you go to The Open Door regularly, you know Bala and you know Cheryl well. Um, so this is a, a gift from Bala, um, preaching for us and bringing God's word for us. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, good morning again. And uh, yeah, I realized after I stopped doing the liturgy here, I forget to introduce myself. For those of you who are not aware of me, uh, my name is Bala Khaled, and um, my, actually my wife is Cheryl, so uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's great to be here and to uh, do this last uh, series for last sermon for the series, and we'll be uh, looking from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, verses uh, from 13 to 35. So please bear with me, it's a long um, passage. Let us look to God, uh, let, let us uh, hear the word of the Lord. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk alone? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? He replied, The things about, the, about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. 
Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. He said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. He was saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. O Lord our God, as we come together this morning, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, in the last several weeks during this, uh, this sermon series, we have heard a sermon from Dave talking about the beginning of vocation, of vocation reminding us from the book of Genesis how God created each and every one of us with great potential and goodness we can use for God's glory. We also have heard a sermon from Scott talking about the end of vocation, reminding us from the book of Revelation that every mundane and small act of kindness, love or world we do matters to God and God's future kingdom. Then last Sunday, we have heard a sermon from the middle with Jane exploring from the books of Acts how vocation in our Christian life can be confusing and, and that's okay. All we need is to trust the process. Since these three preachers have covered the beginning, the end, and the middle, I feel like there's not much left for me to talk about. What, what, what else should I say? It's no accident we are reading a passage where these two disciples are feeling left out and discouraged. These disciples have just seen their teacher crucified and they are leaving Jerusalem because they realize there's not much left for them to do there. They are walking away and maybe returning to a, a previous livelihood. Now, we are not sure why these two disciples were traveling to Emmaus. Most of Luke's narrative, right from the beginning, talks about people traveling to Jerusalem, the place where, according to Jewish belief, God resides. Luke doesn't explain to us why. 
excellent that they are grief from what they have experienced. Frederick Bigner interprets Emmaus as the place we go in order to escape. A bar, a movie, wherever it is, we throw up our hands and say, let the whole world damn thing go hand. It made no difference anyway. Emmaus may be buying a new suit or a new car or smoking more cigarettes than you really want or reading a second grade novel or even writing one. Emmaus may be going to church on Sunday. Emmaus is wherever or whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget, forget that the wall holds nothing sacred. Furthermore, we learn that this deep disappointment by the disciples stem out of the fact that their hopes and dreams were destroyed. They told a stranger that walked with them, we had hope he was the one to redeem Israel. These disciples gave up their livelihoods. They left their homes all to follow this Jesus whom they thought was the Messiah. And now that the journey is all over and it ended with a horrific and terrible crucifixion and his body is missing, it is not what they had hoped. That phrase, but we had hoped, is a daunting one when it comes to our vocation because it is something we all say when we are expecting something we have worked hard or waited for months or even years and that something never came, it never was. We say it when tests were failed or rejection letters come in the mail, we have hope. When our break doesn't come or we didn't get the job, we had hope. When a couple tries and tries to conceive a child, we had hope. When we pour all our love and energy into our children and they still make colossal mistakes, we had hope. The list goes on to loved one dealings with addiction or failed business venture or a failed marriage or relationship. We have been there and it can be painful. We hope, but then things don't turn out the way we have hoped. It can be one, it can be one of the most painful things to ever happen in anyone's lives. Yet it is here while the disciples are running away from the pain and, and going in the wrong direction that Jesus met and journeyed with them even in the wrong direction. And he even spent the night and broke bread with them. That Jesus went with them is truly remarkable to think about because you and I were taught from a young age to stay clear of peers who are on the wrong path. In fact, what we find in scripture is that this is what Jesus loves to do, to sit, to dine, and to accompany people, especially the outcasts and the marginalized, even in their messiness of lives before he do 
anything, before he did anything else. For Jesus, it seems building a relationship with each person he encounters and offering them respect is not only the first and foremost, uh, and, uh, it's not the first and most important thing, but it is key to his life and his vocation. In our task-oriented culture, when we think of our own calling or vocation, we automatically think of a task. Like, what I need to do to help this person, or how will I change them? Literally, we are rewarded by how much tasks we accomplish, not so much on how we get to know our neighbor down the street, our visitor at our food pantry or church, and even our colleagues at work. But Jesus shows us the way and invites us to show up, to accompany and walk alongside the many individuals who have felt invisible and neglected for so long because their hopes and dreams have been dashed by corrupt and unjust systems. Now, being in community or in relationship with someone, especially those who are different from us, is not an easy task because it requires us to be willing to set aside not only our own privilege, interests, and assumption, but also to be willing to listen to the voice of others we accompany. It is so absurd to think that these two disciples cannot recognize the one they thought was the Messiah just three days ago? We are not sure what kept the disciples from recognizing Jesus, but from the way one of the disciples, whose name is Cleopas, responds to Jesus' question, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? suggests to us that maybe, maybe it's due partly to the fact that the disciples assume they know and understand more of what is going on that this, uh, uh, what is going on than this stranger or outsider they were talking to. I think this is a huge mistake to have in our Christian life and vocation to assume that with all the resources, knowledge, and degrees we have, we already know what we need to know. And therefore, we don't need some random stranger telling us what we should be doing or who we ought to be as a Christian community. We close ourselves off to learning and being surprised. Sadly, this tendency or assumption that we know everything has led the Christian church in the Western world throughout the centuries and even now to think that they have the answers to all the world's problems and perpetuate colonial assumptions and actions throughout the global south. Yet, it's amazing to see how Jesus, though he was the only one who actually knew and understood everything of what was going on, didn't assume 
to know or understand what trouble the disciples had without asking them questions. By asking questions, uh, Jesus opened the space for the disciples to describe themselves on their own terms and empower them to speak up for themselves. I believe in our journey and vocation, we need to see those we encounter every day as fellow companions in our journey rather than just an object of our benevolence that needs our help. In this way, it helps us to not only meet people where they are, but to also journey alongside them amidst the struggles, to hear, to listen, to empower them, and to recognize that each individual brings strength and gifts, but also concrete needs and personal brokenness to the space of encounter. My first job, when I first came into this country uh, back in 2010, was a program coordinator of the Princeton Hub that was run out of a church basement in Princeton, New Jersey. This ministry provided a place in the community on Saturday nights for adults who had intellectual and developmental challenges. I had no experience or little experience with this particular kind of population. Looking back, I don't even know how I got the job in the first place. At first, I was very anxious about what programs to create and how to help these individuals in relationships and life skills. Yet, in the end, it was probably a gift that I was so unqualified. Because I quickly learned that no one there wanted me to fix their problems. A deck of cards and a bunch of bananas was enough to meet all of our needs. In this way, they were given autonomy and dignity to ask me for what they needed, rather than me controlling them in how to be an act. This community wanted my friendship and accompaniment more than my wisdom or even direction. And honestly, I needed their friendship. I was new to the country and getting used to the lifestyle and language and culture and I felt free to be in that space, to just be me. Friends, in these days where everyone is stepping out of the cocoon of the pandemic, our relationship muscles have grown weak. And not only that, but we have all gone through a hard thing. We are in pain if we recognize or not. Things we have hoped for were taken away from us. And we don't run away to a place like Emmaus and we can start assuming what everyone is thinking and feeling. Or we will do the courageous thing. We will admit where it hurts. We could listen to our neighbors with openness and curiosity. God doesn't call us to be 
to a task but to a conversation. God doesn't call us to a destination but to a relationship. God doesn't call us to an achievement but to a table. When it comes to a vocation, we can take all the personality tests and spend time by ourselves thinking of all the great things we will do, but listening and following our calling was never meant to be something we do by ourselves. You were created in an intimate relationship with the divine. You take every step of this life with the one who deeply loves you, and in the end, you will return to the divine love. Because we are created and strengthened by a relationship with God, we are called to be in relationship with those all around us, from grocery stores to playgrounds, dog parks and street corners. Are we willing to take different roads with those who are different from us? Are we willing to be curious and open to surprises? Well, friends, this is a calling from Jesus Christ. Are we going to answer? Amen. Thanks again for listening in to the Open Doors podcast, our sermon from about a week ago. Um, if you're interested in joining us in worship, check out our website. You can find details on where we worship, when we worship. Um, we'd love to have you join us in person. Um, our music today, as usual, is from our band, This Side of Eve, which um, is uh, composed of a bunch of people from our church. Hope you enjoy it. And check out their website, our website, I should say, as I'm in the band. Uh, is thissideofeve.com.